here. I know we have some visitors. We are especially grateful that you're with us this morning. And uh, we invite you to come back at every opportunity you have and be with us. I'm going to make a couple of brief announcements before I get into the lesson. Uh, and then I know Wes will have a couple of announcements at the end. So um, I do want to mention that my dad is and been putting that in the bulletin, not putting that in the bulletin. He's had a rough time the last several months. He uh, fell uh, night before last. Is in the hospital, and I believe he's stable. He's 82 years old and strong as a horse, so I think he'll be fine. But please do remember him, if you if you will, keep him in your prayers. And, uh, you know, like Wes was saying a couple of weeks ago, it's hard to know. I mean, you feel kind of uh, helpless a little bit when you hear some news. But like I said, he is in the hospital, but I think he's doing he's doing well, so... Uh, ask you to pray for him. Also, um, we are especially grateful that Miss Trudy is back with us. She assured us from the very beginning she was going to be back, and she is. And speaking of being strong, uh, real testament to, to her strength and to her uh, spirit. So glad to see her this morning. Without any further delay, let's talk about our lesson this morning. And we're going to talk about, I hope... <laughs> Yeah. New year, a new theme, and a new plan. And I'm going to talk about each of these as we get in the lesson. This is really going to be an information-type lesson, uh, but also, I hope, an encouragement-type lesson. When we talk about the new year, and today is New Year's Day, and so the first day of the year is very appropriate for us to come together and to talk about, as has already been mentioned, people make resolutions, people decide things. New Year's is a wonderful time for doing that, a wonderful time for reassessing, for basically asking myself important questions like, where am I in my life, in my, you know, the things that I have ambitions about, etc., with respect to my job, my family, my whatever. Where am I going? We ask ourselves, I think, when we contemplate a new year, a new beginning, so to speak, we kind of contemplate that. Um, Everton even spoke of, sometimes we ask ourselves, do I need new friends? But the point is, where am I in my life and where am I going and what do I need to do? <clears throat> Excuse me, what do I need to do with respect to that? It's a perfect time for planning ahead because it's the beginning of a calendar year. It's a perfect time, you remember back a couple of years back now, the Man in the Mirror series, and we talked about the whole idea of setting goals. And I hope that you do that. I hope you practice the idea of looking at yourself, assessing yourself, that, if you remember, that SWOT analysis. What are my strengths, my weaknesses? What opportunities do I have? What threats do I have to the things that are going well? And then to set goals. I need to do this, and I need to be here by that time. And you know that I've been on a mission to try to get myself healthier and lose weight and all of that kind of thing. And I've been now, this is about, you know, entering into, here in a couple of months, my sixth year of doing that. But I hope you have goals, and I hope that you're learning to how to set goals and how to accomplish those goals. And if not, I'd be glad to, uh, you know, to get together with you and talk about some of that. But it's a perfect time for planning ahead. It's a perfect time for setting goals. It's an opportune time, and I'd like for you to turn with me to Ephesians 4, and I'm going to spend 
as far as Scripture goes, the greatest amount of time looking at these few verses in Ephesians 4. It's an opportune time for what we might call turning the page. We turn a page on a calendar, and maybe a lot of you do that electronically now, but nonetheless, turning the page and going to a new year, a new day, a new month, a new time in your life. The Apostle Paul, in the book of Ephesus, and I'll mention more about this in our lesson today as I start looking at the church in, <clears throat> in Ephesus in relation to our theme for this year. But as Paul addressed these Christians in Ephesus, one of the things that he was encouraging them, them to do was to grow, to be better, as was said earlier in a couple of comments. To do more, as it were, to go further with what they had done. They were, by all means, in at the time Paul writes this, somewhere around A.D. 60, they were a strong church. They hadn't been in existence for a long time. But they'd have to be considered one of the, the strongest churches, one of the most doctrinally sound churches. You don't see doctrinal error in the book of Ephesus or a book of Ephesians. You don't see that here. And yet you see this encouragement, and if you'll start reading with me in verse 17, as Paul has just talked about something we will discuss in our theme later in the year, the whole idea of edification or the church building itself up in the faith. But start with me in verse 17. This I say, therefore, and I testify in the Lord, that you henceforth... Yeah, notice the idea of planning and from this point in time on. That you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. In other words, they live a certain way and they think a certain way. And if you were up like we were at midnight last night watching what was going on in New York, and the station we were watching was flipping back and forth between New York and Miami. If you listen to what comes out of people's mouths that reflect what goes on in their mind, you'd know the meaning of this, word, of this verse. The vanity of their mind. It doesn't profit. It's not to a good end. And so Paul says, I don't want you to live like that. I don't want you to think like that. And I don't want you to live like that. Notice verse 18. Because they had the understanding darkened. And because their understanding is darkened, they are alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them. Now, I want you to think about that phrase for a moment. I'm not going to parse every phrase in this passage, but this one is very important. Their understanding is darkened. Now, notice that. It's not that they began life that way. When you look around the room and you see these babies and these very young children, they don't have darkened minds. No, their, their minds are open to all the light that is in the world. But you have to work at this, and you have to come to the point that your mind has been clouded. It's been darkened. And you can't see any longer the light of God that God meant for you to reflect. You're created in His image. You have the ability to be like God. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what nationality, ethnic background. None of that matters. God has created you in His image, and you have the ability to reflect God in this life. But people have their understanding darkened. Their minds are clouded. They can't see that life of God that they were meant to reflect, and they lose sight of it. 
And so being alienated, separated is the idea from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And then notice verse 19. You get to this point. Who being past feeling even, just doesn't bother them anymore. They can't feel it. Being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. That idea of just pursuing everything that's filthy, everything that excites the senses, yes, but you've got to have more of it and more of it and more of it. And when we see New Year's Eve and all of the festivities and we hear all the things going on and we see the results of the substance abuse and everything else, we understand giving yourself over to lasciviousness. And they're given over to it. That's what rules their life. That's who, that is what is in control of their life. Giving themselves over to lasciviousness, no, notice this, they, uh, to work all uncleanness and all greediness. But verse 19, you Christians have not so learned Christ. That's not what the Lord meant for us. The Lord meant for much more in our lives than that. And if so be that you have heard him, and, and notice that. Paul is addressing members of the church, but that doesn't mean they've heard Jesus. We know ourselves, there are many members of the church, and all they really have ever heard was someone say, you need to be baptized, and they haven't got much past that. They haven't really heard Jesus. They haven't listened to his instructions. They haven't bought into the whole life of God that was meant to be given to them if their lives were changed by the word of Christ. Notice as Paul goes on here. If you've heard Him and you've been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, then you will put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle, that old man that is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and you will be, as Edward talked about, renewed. You will be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created, and you'll have different translations here, but in righteousness and in holiness of truth, literally in the original. In righteousness and true holiness, or holiness of truth. What is Paul saying in this passage? New Year's Day or any day is an opportune time for you and I to turn the page. For you and I to say to ourselves, I want more out of life. I want better for my life. I want to be what God meant for me to be. I don't want to keep losing as I have been in my life. I don't want to keep giving myself over to the pleasures of the world because, quite frankly, they don't please. I don't want to lose myself in the lifestyle that so many lose themselves in only to wake up at a late time in life when life is nearly over and full of regret and say, I wish I hadn't lived like that. I don't want to do that. I want to take advantage of today. This time, I want to turn the page and buy into. I want to hear Jesus. I want to listen to what He's got to say. And I want my life to be conformed to that image. So it will be everything I can be. And everything the Lord meant for me to be. Now along that line, we might just simply say it like this. It's a great time. And this has already been said. I think we're all thinking the same this morning. Thinking along the same lines but a renewed spiritual commitment. I'm going to talk about something in particular here in a moment. But to take advantage is to participate 
to be more involved in the church here. We're going to talk about the church. We're going to talk about the local church all through the year. And we're going to talk about what it means to be part of a church and what identifies it and the characteristics of it. And me being part of it, what that would mean. It's a time to change personal habits. And I want to suggest to you that we have a number of classes. I'm not going to turn to 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. But the last thing that the Apostle Peter left with his readers was this. Grow. Grow in grace, that is, favor with God. Grow in knowledge, in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We do have classes here. We've got Sunday morning classes. Now, there are a number of you that are here for worship services, but you haven't taken advantage, not really taken advantage of our classes on Sunday morning. But they're very advantageous, if you will. They're profitable. When children come and they're part of classes, I think a lot of us that grew up in that tradition, and I grew up in a denomination, but still... That tradition of going to Sunday school. And I was schooled. And a lot of things that I remember, that is basic lessons of life, I remember from those times. I can remember from different Sunday school teachers and what they had to say and what they taught. And maybe when I heard something for the first time, and even all the trouble and all the problems that I went through, and you guys know I went through a lot, those things are still with me. I still remember, for example, Connie Tapscott, one of my earliest teachers. I still remember some of the things that she said and had to say. They stay with you. When you're bringing children up, it's so important to have them in those classes. And it's important for all of us. We learn. Classes are a time when we do go to passages in the Bible and we do begin to see things. And we can, as someone said in my class downstairs this morning, we can discuss them. You can ask questions. I can tell you what's on my mind, and I can ask you about it, and others can share what's in their minds, and we learn. We all of us learn. And you know, if you're doing that, if you're coming to the class on Sunday morning, we have Wednesday evening Bible study. I know not everyone can come, but some of you might be able to. And when we meet here at 7.30 on Wednesday evening, we have a, a brief time where we sing a couple of songs, and then we go into class. Some of the deepest study that I do here with different individuals, and I would suspect that's the case upstairs in the auditorium, is done in these Wednesday evening Bible studies. You should come. You need to come. You want to come. And that's because of what you get out of it. Not just what you can put into it, but you will get a lot out of it. And you know, if you happen to be doing both of those, but you're not coming... You know, ten months out of the year, we adjourn in July and August for the summer months, but we meet once a time, once a a month on Friday evening, and the men meet in a class, and the ladies meet in another class here upstairs. A lot of good discussions come out of those. Think about these things. Think about what it might do for me if I haven't been coming to any classes. Just start with Sunday morning. What would it do for me? How much further along? What would it change spiritually about my life to get that added knowledge, to get that added exchange with other Christians? I'll leave that for you to think about. Changing gears a little bit, we have a new theme this year. I've already mentioned it. But our theme for 2017 is In My Church. And it's taken from Matthew 16 and verse 18, where Jesus said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. 
And we want to talk about the Lord's Church. And we want to talk about what you should find in the Lord's Church. And we've got four areas of concentration we're going to, we're going to focus on. The first quarter, we're going to look at order in the Lord's Church. Let all things be done decently and in order, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 46. In the second quarter, we're going to look at truth. But we're going to look at it from the standpoint of 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, that the house of God, the church, is the pillar and the ground, and there are different translations, but you see that it is the support, the basis, the foundation from where truth is disseminated into the world. In the third quarter, we're going to look at unity. We're going to talk about what it really means for brethren to be united. And we're individuals, all of us. And we have different views and different opinions and different ideas about everything. And when we talk and when we share, we, a lot of it comes out. And we see how we disagree and we, find, and we find how we agree. You know, I agree with you about that. Nah, I'm not so sure about that. That doesn't mean we cannot be united. The Lord wanted it and prayed for it in John 17. And again, in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10, Paul just said simply, You people are divided in Corinth, and that ought not to be. Be of the same mind. Be of the same judgment. Brethren, let no divisions be among you. And finally, in the fourth quarter, we are going to talk about edification. I mentioned it from Ephesians 4. But we're going to look and really focus on this idea of Romans 14 and 15. And in Romans 15, Paul said, Let each of us, all of us Christians, whether we're the strong or the weak, or how we look at each other with respect to that, let each of us, uh, of us please his neighbor for his good. To his edification. And the word edification means to build up, literally, to build the house. So how might I contribute to building the very house of God? We're going to look at all of these things, but that's our theme, and I'll talk more about that, of course, as we get actually get into it in the next few weeks. Change gears again. New plan. Because I want to talk especially about our, Greg mentioned them, our Sunday afternoon, I've come to call them because we're meeting at 4 o'clock now. Sunday afternoon evening services. Typically what you find in the church across the country, and this, I, you know, I've been a lot of different places, so have many of you. Typically what you find is the greatest gathering of Christians will be on a Sunday morning, such as we have here. And on any given Sunday morning, especially when it's not the holidays like it is right now, we'll have... Anywhere from 120 to 150 people, depending on how many people are here. But then when we come back at 4 o'clock, that number will drop drastically. That's not uncommon. That's very much like it is all the way around the country. And I haven't been out of the country very much, so I don't know how it is across the world. But that's the case here. And yet what we want this time at 4 o'clock to be is not just a, an obligatory, well, traditionally we've met on Sunday evening and so we're going to come back for a second service. And we neither want it to be simply to have, an opera, you know, to have a service in place so if you miss Sunday morning, you can catch one on Sunday night. We don't want that either. We want to take advantage of this time we have together at 4 o'clock and to make it profitable. Now, I realize when you've been together on Sunday morning and you go back on Sunday afternoon and it's typical, you worked hard all week, I get it. Yeah, I really do. And so you eat a meal and then you get in that recliner and, oh, you know, <laughs> you just slip away in the la-la land. And I get all that. 
And it's hard sometimes to then get up, and sometimes, you know, if you, like I do, I go pull the suit off and put on some casual clothes, got to get dressed again, got to go back out, you know, sometimes the weather's not great, and, you know, and then I'm going to come together, and if Michael is not, or Wes is not really entertaining, boy, it's going to be rough. We don't want that to be the case, we really don't, because what we want is an opportunity for us to grow. An opportunity for us to learn. An opportunity for us to encourage one another. To provoke each other. To be better, as was said earlier in in comments. To be more of what we should be. To be more of what Ephesians 4 is telling us. To live more of the life of God that He wants. So, we've kind of come up with a plan to change things up. In other words, when you come here each week, if you you buy in and you make the commitment, okay... I'm going to come back at 4 o'clock. I want to see what's going on. This is what you're going to find. And I suggest to you, give it a quarter. Because if you give it a quarter, you're going to see all these different things. Obviously, you're not going to see them all in one service. But here's what we're going to try to do. We're going to divide the 52 weeks up. And there are going to be some regular sermons. Tonight will be more along the lines of a regular sermon. That is, I'm going to talk about the church in Ephesus. There are some interesting things about this church. Maybe some things you never knew. And some things that I find interesting, at least, when I dig into looking at it. But it is going to be a regular sermon. And we're going to have some of those. And obviously, we are still, once each quarter, at the end of each quarter, on Sunday evening, we'll have our wrap-up song service. Now, if you haven't been to one of these, what we do, Wes or I, we alternate, we will put together a list of songs, usually on the order of a dozen songs, maybe ten but a group of songs that relate to the quarter. So in other words, we're talking about order in my church. We're going to talk about some things during the quarter. And we'll go and we spend some time trying to find songs out of our books that really relate to that idea. And we sing. And we sing those songs together. And then at the end of it, there's some brief comments made. But it's a good time for just coming together. If you like singing... Are you really feel encouraged by singing? This is a great service to be part of. There's some other things we're going to do too. There's a box out on the table in the foyer, and it's used for everything. Right now it catches the drop bliss sticks and stray piece of jewelry. And if anybody happens to find my uh, flash drive, I dropped it last week, and I, for the life of me, can't find it anywhere. So you see that little black flash drive, you might drop, but seriously. The box at the back, let's say you want to see one of us address some topic in the Bible. You're thinking about it. You're reading a passage at home and you say, wow, I'd like to know what, you know, so-and-so thinks about that. Write it out. You you can make it anonymous if you want to, but write it out. I'd like to see a sermon. I'd like to hear a sermon on this. Be as specific as you want to. Fold it up, drop it in that box. And we're going to check that box periodically. I don't know how many suggestions we'll get. But we're going to take those suggestions, and Wes and I will divide them up, and we'll bring sermons on that suggestion. And we'll try to, again, as specific as you are, we'll try to address exactly what you'd like to hear. So you can be thinking in terms of that, and I assure you, we will get to everyone. We're not going to just take the suggestion, unless it's, you know, totally off base. What do you think about the Yankees next year? But... You know, if it's, if it's pertinent, we're going to take every one. If we get too many, I'll say, hey, guys, we've got a bunch of them, so, you know, there's a backlog, and I'll let you know that. 
but suggestions. For the last couple of years, something that's been very popular, actually, is what I call a prayer request service, for just lack of a better way to say it. Now, what we're doing is this. We've been doing it once in the spring and once in the fall. And I know that there are specific things. There are people you'd like for us to pray for. There are situations you'd like for us to pray about. You know, and it can be things on a national level or a personal level or whatever. We've really gotten great response on this. And we'd like for you to come and be part of that. Just like we do on our question and answer sermon, people write out the request on an index card, turn them in, and different ones will get up and read the request and lead a prayer about those things. Very specifically. Another thing that, that uh, I'm going to employ and during this year, and not a lot, but a couple, three times at least throughout the year, is what I call sermon and song. And let me explain this for a brief moment. I'll preach a sermon, but every point in the sermon, and there will be three or four major points, I'll preach it from verses in the Bible, but illustrate it with specific songs. Like, for example... If I were going to talk about Jesus and I were going to talk about the names of Jesus or the titles of Jesus, the Son of God, Emmanuel, etc., etc., I'd illustrate that with songs that we sing. And I'll stop during the sermon, and this kind of keeps things moving at a different pace. I'll stop during the sermon, and whoever's leading the songs will lead that song, and so it'll be point, song, point, song, song, that kind of thing, but sermon and song. Songs to illustrate and disperse throughout the lesson. Another thing that I'm going to do, or at least I'm going to try to do, someone has mentioned to me, I love these question and answer sermons. I do two of them on Sunday mornings a year, again in the spring, again in the fall. But someone has said, you know, I'd like to ask, you have a topic, and that's great on the Sunday mornings, and we stay on that topic. The last one we talked about was the church, remember that. We talked about the devil, and we talked about baptism and a number of things. And people write out questions about that topic. But some, someone has, in fact, a couple of people have suggested, I'd like to have one of these where we can just ask anything. And so I'm going to try this on a Sunday evening. I call it a random question and answer. It'll be the same kind of format. Write out your question on an index card. It won't be on a particular topic. But I'll take those and I'll do the best I can with them. So that could be very interesting. Um, Especially if people want to get really challenging, you know, and ask certain questions, that could get interesting. But um, you might want to come in. And again, all of these formats, I'm going to announce these ahead of time, so you'll know what's coming. Lastly is one you might find interesting and wonder about, and that is debates. Now, this is what Wes and I are going to do. We're going to take a topic, and for two weeks, we're going to debate that topic. That is, one of us is you know, perhaps going to be here, one of us over there, that kind of thing. I promise you it is not going to be the chaos of the debates you may have seen, like the political debates and all of that. Number one, we like each other genuinely. <laughs> we really do. Number two, we believe that, you know, even if you're debating, you need to be a Christian. We're going to be respectful. But what we're going to do is one week, whatever the topic is, and whatever we personally believe about it, one week one of us is going to take the affirmative, which means they're going to be for it. And the other person is going to take the negative and try to answer what the person who is for it, how he's argued for it, 
the one in the negative is going to try to answer that. Now, what is the advantage to you? Well, I think there's a lot of advantage. For one thing, it's something that you see in the New Testament quite a bit. Tonight, I'll mention that as we open up talking about the church in Ephesus. There is great advantage if, and I stress if, it's done properly and respectfully. But you get to see issues. You get to see questions about things. You don't just hear, you know, here's the thing and here's what Michael thinks about it, point one, two, and three. No, you see it questioned. And hard questions, because we've already promised each other we're not going to be easy. No softball, you know, with each other. We're really going to delve into these subjects. So we're going to talk about these things, and I think there'll be topics that you will be interested in and interested in seeing the different questions, the different sides, and so hopefully that'll be very beneficial to you. That's some of the things we're going to plan during the year. So it's going to be moving. It's going to be a different type thing each week, and I've already laid out over half of what we're going to do, at least what I'm going to do during the 52 weeks to come. So it's going to change different format to different format. Come be part of it. I think you'll find it interesting. I believe you'll find it educational. And you'll certainly benefit by being here. New year, new theme, new plan. Only question left for me is, what will I do in 2017? God has blessed us, each of us, to be alive today. We know that 2016 took a lot of people. Some famous, some close to us, like for myself. But we're here. And if God has given us this time, then God means for us to use it to the greatest advantage possible. What will you do with 2017? Are you here today and not a Christian? I can't think of a better time to obey the gospel than today. To begin this new year being a Christian. And if you're here and you believe in Jesus Christ, you're willing to confess that he 